Hello and welcome to Case Reopened, the number one Detective Conan rewatch podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Treese. Joining me, as always, is Colleen, the Sato to my very handsome Takagi. Aww. <laughs> hey, how's it going? Today we're talking about the Metropolitan Police Detective Love Story 2. This is another two-parter focusing on the love story between Sato and Takagi, two police officers. Deeply in love, but unwilling to admit it. Uh, I guess Tak- Takagi's willing. And he's not, though. He hasn't admitted shit. He's scared to admit it. Not to her. <laughs> I think to himself he's admitted it. It's not like he's being obstinate about it. What does it mean to admit it to yourself? That's, that's not even a thing. Oh, it is. It's like, oh, I, I can't admit that I have feelings for this person. You know, like... Mr. Darcy. Well, that's a bad example. For the, um. But if you're even telling yourself you have feelings for a person, that's an admittance in and of itself. Yeah, but it's like you have to, like, there are situations where someone uh, doesn't want to, like, it goes against their better judgment, and then they just end up, uh, like, giving in. But then, anyways, I I feel like it's in a lot of, like, shoujo manga, too. Or shoujo anime. Okay. If you say so. <laughs> Nobody can see this, but I have a very puzzled look on my face. <laughs> uh, for what reason? Sh- Everything like- you're saying. <laughs> oh, okay. So, part one of this two-parter originally aired on August 9th, 1999. The Conan's hint going into this episode is Professor Agassiz's newest invention. So keep that in mind, Colleen. Yeah. <laughs> Is it? No, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure the photo that we got was like a box with a question mark on it. Yeah, very good hint. Conan says, this episode is filled with policemen. The detective boys help with the reasoning. Okay, Conan. (laughs) That's factually accurate. Isn't that like almost every detective boys episode? There's lots of policemen at the crime scene and then the detective boys help? I guess. I mean, help is a strong word in those other episodes. The two-parter begins with High Bear telling Conan, I'm not wrong. She's discovered your identity. If you keep hiding it from her, you'll just hurt her more. And Conan asks why she's telling him this. And High Bear says that while Conan can see into the hearts of the wicked, he can't understand a woman's heart. High Bear then says, I'm in love with you. I have been since the first time we met. Looks like you didn't even notice. Common Yaiba. Were you were you t- faked out here, Colleen? Did you think Hibera is confessing her love to Conan, the two little shrunken fuckers here? No way. Never gonna happen. I knew this was some sort of, like, acting bit. Why? Would you never admit to Conan that you love him? Uh, maybe, maybe not to Conan, maybe to Shinichi. See? I mean, to More is, similarities. Like, just wrong. More similarities. <laughs> But it winds up just being a play that Detective Boys are putting on. Mitsuhiko yells at Conan, critiquing his acting. He says, you have to act more surprised. You have to put more emotion into this. This is a pivotal scene, Conan. <laughs> I love that they uh, gave Mitsuhiko like, the traditional Hollywood director role of just cr- criticizing everything. He's really good at it. This is the perfect spot for Mitsuhiko. Absolutely. I think he has a career in theater down the line. Oh, that'd be great, yeah. Actually, would wouldn't mind seeing uh, sort of like a preview of what the detective boys end up doing when they grow up. 
Conan suggests doing a more traditional story like Mamataro or the One Inch Boy. What about the uh, Six Inch Detective? We saw that before. <laughs> yeah, that other classic story. Mitsuhiko says that he refuses to direct an unrealistic fairy tale while he's currently <laughs> directing Kamen Yaiba. Very realistic, full meaning. I mean, it's not a fairy tale, so, I mean, it's half accurate. Kenta defends Mitsuhiko's choice, and he says, I'm playing the evil potato, so Conan, you better suck it up. Yeah, the very realistic I... stuff with the evil potato. I thought that was a typo at first, but I love that it's not. Conan suggests they do a police story instead, saying that they could have a thief run into an abandoned building and get chased by cops. And by the most amazing of coincidences, exactly that happens. And a man with handcuffs busts into the room that the kids are in. Officer Sato then appears, and she tells him to stop and put his hands up. However, he spots Ayumi, and he grabs her. He tells Sato to back off and runs with Ayumi in his arms. What do you think about this dramatic start to the episode? Oh, I thought it was great. Um, The only part that kind of got me all up in arms was that he had to take Ayumi of all of them. Like, ugh. I mean, it, it kind of ended sweetly in a way, but just like the fact, okay, here we go again. Ayumi's the hostage. Well, you're not going to take Genta. I mean, you can't run with somebody that large. No, but like any of the other ones. <laughs> yeah, but you do. take the cute little girl. She's less to put up a fight. People care about her more because she's adorable. Come on, Colin. Conan's adorable. Yeah, but you can tell that this bastard is just going to bite you. <laughs> Ayumi is a lady and ladies don't bite. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll go with that. What are you? <laughs> what are you trying to say, Colin? Are you a biter? No. <laughs> okay. I'm just saying that, you know, I had a, this like whole problem with Ayumi being the hostage yet again. And you're just like, well, she's the lady of the group. So I'm like, okay, I guess I can't argue with that logic. After running up a flight of stairs, the man puts Ayumi down and apologizes for scaring her. He then continues to run and reaches the rooftop. Ayumi tells Sato and the others where he went, and he then crosses over to another building using a set of stairs. He then throws the ladder down the gap, and Sato can't quickly get to him. This is a really cool action scene here. She jumps onto this pipe, and she uses her gun to allow it to kind of fall over towards the other building. That's when she uses her gun to hit this lock on the door, and then she runs into the adjacent building, and that's when Takagi arrives, real late to the party. Why is this guy so slow? He's not late. Everyone else is just early. Yeah, she tells him to go to the front as she's going to chase after the criminal and actually be productive, unlike Takagi. Um, yeah, so I will admit that that action sequence was really cool. I also had to laugh because she put her gun like in her mouth while she was doing the rest of it. I'm like, um, not quite sure. How she That's proper that. safety procedure, right? Oh, maybe, sure. <laughs> well, she has a good grip with her teeth. Ladies are excellent biters. As we we've been learning so far. Well, you convinced me. You you were you were saying, oh, I'm a good biter. So I was like, oh. <laughs> I don't believe I ever said that. Kenan asks what's going on, and he learns that a criminal that the police were taking in got away. Turns out that a bike and truck collided, and while Sato and Takagi were focused on that, the suspect ran away. We then see Sato quickly catch up to the man, and she uses a judo throw to toss him into a bathroom stall. 
So the door is kind of like covering his body and she notices that his handcuff broke. And so she puts one onto herself and one onto his hand. However, she didn't realize that his hand was sticking through a pipe. So now they're kind of both stuck in this bathroom stall. Awkward. Yeah. Talk about proper procedure. You ever been stuck in a bathroom stall for a day with a dude calling? Uh, no, I don't think, uh, don't think so. <laughs> Can't remember that happening. What about you? Oh, forced not. I'm not a hoodlum or degenerate. <laughs> Thankfully, obviously, she's going to have an extra key and she'll just undo the handcuffs, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, she's a very responsible person. I'm sure she knows and ha- how to handle her equipment properly. Oops, she doesn't have a key. So she's just stuck there. Dang, Nabbit. <laughs> the man tells Sato that he's innocent and that he didn't kill anybody. And this is the first time we see some construction workers below. One asks if anybody else heard anything. But he's told that everything is locked up so nobody can be up there. And that's when Takagi and the kids arrive at the front. And Highberry notices that they're in an art gallery, but all of the paintings are gone. How suspicious. Hmm, what's going on here? <laughs> Imagine it's like like a bu- burglary thing and now all the detective boys are like, Okay, we have to go find the thief, bye. Sate then yells out and says she's in the men's bathroom and explains what happened. Sate says this is quite embarrassing and asks Takagi to sneak her a spare key. Takagi says he can't sneak anything because when the criminal escaped, everybody got anxious. Sate says that Takagi has some nerve for a junior officer and says that it was all his fault that the criminal escaped in the first place. She says that she's counting on him and then the suspect, Higashida, once again claims his innocence. He says that Masami Maranishi was dead when he arrived this morning and ask them to please believe him. Takagi then goes through the case. The death occurred in Morinishi's apartment, which is the same building where Higashida lives. She was his boss at work and was strangled in the bathroom adjacent to Higashida's apartment. When her body was found, Higashida was drunk and asleep in her bed. I love this idea of murdering somebody and then just sleeping in her bed. Yeah. And, I mean, she would have been in the same room, too. So, not only that... But you're sleeping practically next to a dead body. The main door was chain locked, so the door is secured, and there's a video cable near her body that has her fingerprints on it. They were often seen arguing at work. They were seen in a bar the day of the murder arguing. The police say that he's a clear suspect, but he says he has no memory of doing anything like that. What do you think? This guy innocent? Is he guilty? What was your first uh, suspicions here? I believed him. I thought he was innocent. Why? Why Why believe men? Ugh, isn't that what we always ask ourselves? Um, I don't know. I, I guess it was the way that he conveyed his emotions. Like, he didn't seem particularly shady. Um, and it was also kind of because of uh, how he let go of Ayumi. Um, so you kind of, like, I feel like the... Whatever, I guess it was Goshoyama who did it, but the writers made you want to like automatically think that this guy wasn't the criminal by just planting those little things so far. I mean, we're probably we're like what five minutes into the episode, so I had no other reason to believe him, but um there was this kind of like innocent nature, this sweetness about him. Higashida admits to not liking Muranishi, but says it wasn't enough to kill her. Sato asked why he ran, and he said that he had somewhere to be. 
He received a letter from his daughter, who he hasn't seen since he got divorced, and it was a wedding invitation. I thought that she hated me these past 17 years. How can I not go to her wedding? He says that they'll find the letter and his airplane ticket in his room. If you had an estranged daughter, would you go to her wedding? Yeah, of course. Okay, there we go. Free, free drinks. We're going to ruin that wedding. <laughs> oh, you're going to be that person, that guest. Of course. Ayumi then says that Higashida is is not a bad guy as he apologized for kidnapping her. You know, he let her go and he's actually a nice kidnapper. Right. I mean, that's like the one thing I'm going off of. Like, I don't know. I don't know how strong it is, how good of a rationale, but hey, that's what I'm going with. Sato asks what time his flight is and he says it's 1230 the next day at the Narita airport. Meanwhile, at the police headquarters, Detective Yokoyama, who's appeared in three straight episodes. How crazy is that? It is kind of crazy, considering I didn't even remember that this guy existed, and now we've seen him like multiple times. I feel like it's the Yokoyama arc right now. Yeah, he's making himself known. He's doing important stuff. He tells Megari that he can't get in touch with Sato and Takagi. He wonders if they got into an accident, and Megari tells Shiratori that they're going out to look for them. So... Shout to Yokoyama, making calls, making things happen. Yep, moving the plot forward. Sato then gives Takagi an order to find the real criminal before noon, and says she'll look after the suspect here. Sato says she can't move anyhow, and says Takagi can't get caught trying to bring back the key, as he'll get chewed out for his mistake and have to do a bunch of paperwork rather than solving the case. She says the timeline is before the art museum opens tomorrow at 10am, as they'll be spotted in the bathroom. Higashida thanks Sato, and Takagi is worried about investigating such a case alone. However, Sato says he won't be by himself, as the detective boys want to help. As they're leaving, a construction worker spots them, and he yells at them. Takagi's about to explain he's a cop, but he remembers to keep a low profile and says he was just pretending to be a cop with the kids, and trespassing, and looking like a pedophile this seemed much much more suspicious than anything else he could have done yeah like i kind of feel like he gave the construction worker a reason to call the cops on him exactly higashida asks sato if this plan will work as takagi doesn't seem very reliable everybody knows he's a bum calling except for you Ugh, they they just can't see the diamond in the rough. Sato agrees with him and says Takagi's sweet, but he messes up and isn't the type you can leave alone. However, he works hard to get the job done and Conan's with him. And she says that Conan just somehow gives people confidence. Takagi is now donning a hilarious disguise wearing a hat and sunglasses. What do you think about this look for him? Oh, he was so cute in that hat. I mean, I like Takagi's hair, but I could do the hat for two episodes. It's fine. He and the kids are checking out a bar, and the hostess tells Takagi that Higashida said that he'd set her straight as the victim was leaving the bar. We learn that Higashida and Morinishi weren't alone, as they were there with another employee named Kitagawa, who was actually at the bar right then. Takagi recognizes him and says he was the first person to discover the body. After neither Higashida or Morinishi showed up at work, Kitagawa asked the building manager to open the door, and that's when they found the body. Kitagawa then leaves the bar, and Takagi runs up to him. Kitagawa asks to be alone, as he's told the police everything he knows, and he's currently grieving. 
So Takagi enters back in the bar and the hostess tells Conan that Maranishi was a fan of the Tokyo Spirits while Higashida rooted against them. The kids then call Agasa to tell their parents that they're staying with him. Nagasa agrees to cover for them since they're with Takagi and tomorrow's Sunday, so they're off school. What do you think about Agasa just lying to all these parents? Oh yeah, I mean, that that starts the running gag of, you know, oh, everyone's just at Agasa's house, sleeping over when they're really out and about. I don't know, it's like Agasa's taking over that mother hen kind of role. Would you trust Agasa with your children? Um... I mean, he's apparently a genius, so I'm sure he can take care of a child. I don't know. I I think it'd be fine. I don't think that's how it works. <laughs> I feel like a lot of really smart people do not have, like, common sense and the skills necessary to be a good parent. I feel like there's a very different skill sets between science and, you know, like, child nurture and taking care of a kid. No, that's a very good point. I was just thinking about, like you know the basic life necessities like i'm sure he could feed my child if that if it came down to that but uh yeah i don't know I, like if i knew how agasa was with the kids like like i do kind of as a viewer i think i'd be fine i don't know <laughs> i guess now he's taking care of high barrow so yeah but that's like... different right because she basically takes care of herself yeah, but, like, from a parent's perspective, they're like, oh, he already takes care of one kid, so you wouldn't be too shocked leaving him with him. Yeah. Gossip says tomorrow also is his big event where he will unveil his new invention. It's called the Tropical Rainbow, and is a rainbow-colored explosion. What an invention. He's just making bombs that are colorful. <laughs> I know. He could be, you know, doing something... More humanitarian, but no. Tells the kids they should check it out after they're done, and Kenan tells Takagi that Agasa was going on about some fireworks show tomorrow in Haida City. And Takagi's like, I don't think there's any fireworks show. Certainly can't be important, though. No, so let's just forget about that for the next 15 minutes. Yeah, clearly they didn't pay attention to the Conan's hint for the episode. Come on, guys. No. I mean, they saw a box with a question mark on it. It could be anything. They then travel to the apartment where the murder occurred. The owner's curious why kids are being let in, and they say they're writing a report on what a policeman does for occupational studies. I mean, that's a great cover. They've already learned. At like 9 p.m. <laughs> and going to like a a murder scene? They're like doing homework. Investigation. I don't think this would play. And especially not all of them. Maybe like one or two, but a whole group of kids doing the same type of project. Takagi says he'll return the apartment key once they're finished. He then notices the kids touching the room and he yells at them. But they're all wearing gloves that they purchased when Takagi got his hat. So everybody has a little disguise on going. Like it's a good thing that Takagi has his own gloves. Otherwise it would just be really funny if the kids bought gloves specifically for the investigation, Takagi just got a hat and sunglasses. Sheratori and Meguri are driving around, and Sheratori says this is unlike Sato to not check in. He wonders if they have both been captured by the suspect, and then he imagines Sato, like, getting sexually assaulted. This is really weird, wasn't it? It was... Okay, so how he imagined Sato was, like off but her midriff was also exposed yeah so he'd like okay he was totally 
sexualizing her but i don't know did you notice takagi <laughs> it was kind of like okay this is what shiratori sees takagi as because takagi was like all beat up and i had the like giant goose um what are they called goose eggs on his head yeah <laughs> big hematoma this thought of Sato being captured angers with shiratori and meguri Megary then gives out an order that Sato is in danger and the full force of male policemen are on high alert as apparently everybody has a thing for quite popular with the men is Sato. Yeah, I love how like not only are there cop cars that have been engaged but there's like tanks and a cop on a bicycle. Sato sneezes while in the bathroom and Hikashida apologizes for getting her into this position. She says it's the police fault for choosing the wrong suspect. And says she's not doing it for him. Sato is doing it for his daughter instead. So she doesn't have to have a memory to regret like she has. And Sato reveals that she's been dealing with the memory of losing her father ever since she was little. So we get some Sato backstory here. Yep. And it ties back in with the ending of the second part. So it kind of felt... I felt like uh, this episode just like planted a bunch of little things and you're just like okay should i pay attention to this part is this going to be important but uh, it all comes back eventually so that was nice takagi hasn't found anything but conan notices four odd points in the room how bad is takagi conan's finding all these different clues putting shit together and takagi's just sitting there can't find nothing (laughs) he's he's fine he's doing something productive he's not he's not being productive at all He's taking these kids around this investigation site. Like, Sato is stuck in a bathroom stall, so Takagi's the only one that can do this. So we're about to go to our Colleen's fashion corner for the week. So the first suspicious thing is that the color of the futon pillow and sheets and curtains, while the utensils in the kitchen are all beige, only the bed and curtain are gray. Talk about a fashion faux pas. Absolutely. I mean, okay, I've never seen beige utensils. Maybe <laughs> that's a thing. Maybe if they're plastic or something. Um, usually people fall into one camp. It's either beige or gray. If you mix them up, like, you gotta do it well. And I don't think it was done very well in this apartment, as uh, I guess everybody's pointing out, because it was a big enough clue to actually get the culprit. The hostess told the kids that Marinishi loved the color beige, and that there are beige curtains and bedsheets stashed away. She also said that Higashida is intelligent about electronics, hates taking baths, and gets sleepy after drinking, and is often late for work. A model employee. <laughs> right? I, I get he, he's some He's smelly, of <laughs> he shows up late, he's a drunk. Great with electronics, though. Okay, why did we have to know that he hates taking baths? I mean, I guess, like, just to know that he didn't, he wouldn't, he, like, by taking him to this place, you knew he wasn't going to try to take a shower, you know? He's just going to go straight to bed. Okay. All right. And that he's smelly, and you're supposed to go, ew. Ew. Ew, that's why your daughter stopped talking to you, because you smell, mister. Aw. Maybe. Maybe that was the case. Maybe that's why his wife left him. Kind of says that people think that if they say something irrelevant to the police, that they'll get told off. So it's easier for the kids to give information. I love this idea that you, you tell the cop that they're, who their favorite uh, soccer team was, and they go, 
Get out of here, witness. <laughs> we don't want your testimony. Irrelevant. Next. Irrelevant. Kind of says the hostess was nosy, and I thought that was like supposed to be a joke or something, but no, she's just saying she's nosy. And I was like, oh. And I thought the second strange thing is why the calendar next to the bed was put away. It's a Tokyo Spirits calendar, and it's marked until December, so it's supposed to be used. Also strange is that the furniture has been moved around, and a matchbook containing a marriage application was left lying on the ground. The information for the groom is blank, though. What do you think of uh, what do you what do you think about this marriage application? This was suspicious. It was. I didn't really know what was going on with that. I was kind of like, okay, was she just kind of gonna go to, down to the city hall and pick up whoever she could find and like write down that person's information? Finally, there's cacti sitting outside, which is strange as it was raining the day of the crime. That means somebody other than her rearranged the room. The kids then notice a cactus that the hostess gave Marinishi the evening of the murder and note that some of the needles got broken. Takagi says this changes nothing as Hikashida mistook the room for his own and everything has his fingerprints on it from the door lock to the video cord. However, he then puts it together that the room was rearranged to look like Hikashida's room and they decide to check his room to confirm everything as the episode ends. So Takagi's a little late on the, the ball game there, like, I felt like you were supposed to figure this out as soon as they talked about the curtains. And he goes through all four things and Takagi's still like, <laughs> so? What's your point? I mean, Takagi would have said that. Um, yeah, I mean, he's lovable, though. What do you think about the overall mystery here? Were you surprised? I feel like we've seen this so many times before. Like the person rearranging a room to make it look like something else. We had that like, you know, like the case in the apartment buildings and stuff where they did that before. Like it doesn't seem like a particularly new trick. No, I, I would agree with you on that. Um, I mean, it, it kind of added some new elements in that uh, like people's likes and dislikes the fact that this one person was a fan of this sports team but the other one wasn't sort of dictating what would be in the room what wouldn't be like that i guess that added a little bit of a more creative aspect but you're right we've seen this room imitation trick before um so that i mean it was fine uh i was intrigued by like i was pretty sure i knew who had done it but i was kind of intrigued by uh you know how they were going to get any sort of evidence to prove uh, uh, who the culprit was and um, thought it it ended abruptly uh, I, it, it, I don't know it, it was fine like I liked the, two, the the first part as a whole they were like building a really good case but I felt really cut off at the end I was like why why can't we just keep going I feel like the case was a lot of kind of almost filler compared to what we really wanted was just like the takagi and sato story so it kind of feels to just be like fluff that they're getting through i wasn't really all that compelled by it the next conan send for the second part is cactus and conan says next time we finish the love story and takagi says i can't believe inspector meguri really and then meguri interrupts and he goes hey hey <laughs> I like that they're still playing on this Megary Sato love story. Oh, yeah, that's the true love story. That's the true Metropolitan police detective love story. 
So part two aired August 16th, 1999. And Kevin says, today the professor reveals the truth and is bomb. Does he reveal the truth? <laughs> no, he doesn't. <laughs> Not at all. Very inaccurate, Kevin. So uh, the pacing felt really odd here. Uh, the first four minutes of this episode is basically the last four minutes of the last episode. Yeah. Really seemed like they did not have enough content to meet the 23 minute mark. So they just took the last several minutes of the last part because at first I was like, oh, they're just going over the four odd points and then they're like real quickly. But no, it's like the entire scene. It just went, <laughs> I was like, oh, they're just going to do a real, because they do recaps. There was like a, even a recap before this. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's going to be like 20 seconds. But no, it kept going and going. And it was like four minutes later and I was like, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, the scene changes from night to day, and the owner of the apartment finds the kids uh, sleeping outside. Hibera's just sitting there, uh, standing there. She's not asleep. But the the actual school kids are just completely sleeping outside, which seems very irresponsible for a cop. Takagi, just the worst. Yes, but let's not forget who was actually responsible for these kids, and that's Agasa. The owner tells the kids that they'll catch a cold doing that. Takagi then comes out and says they solved the mystery. Thanks the owner for his assistance, and Kenan says to himself that they have to figure out how to corner the culprit. The construction workers finish their fifth search of the building at the police's request, but nobody answers their calls. Can we talk about how bad they are at searching this building that they never walked in the bathroom? Yeah. That, that like, that, that was just, ugh, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> that blew my mind. Okay, at first I was like, why didn't anybody in the stall like sato or the other guy scream then well they don't want to be found oh yeah that's yeah that's it it's actually their love story that's blossoming now oh stuck in the crap or a true love blooms yeah that's uh that's the title of the next uh new york times best-selling love love story book thing yep the great romance novel (laughs) yeah Love story book thing. (laughs) Words are hard. They also don't find out the lock is completely shot off until the fifth time. Yeah. Which is like, what are you guys even doing? Like, how inept are you that you didn't realize that the fucking lock has been shot off with a gun? And so they don't even bother to report that it's been shot off. They're just like, oh, let's just put a new one on the door. (laughs) Okay. I'm sure it was just the kids messing around with that weird guy. One of the workers asks what the new bomb is called, and he's told that it's called the Tropical Rainbow. So, that's Agasa's invention. If anybody didn't pick up that this whole building's gonna go bang, this has made it very clear. Right. And that's why they don't care. They're just like, well, I'm sure there's nobody who'd possibly be crazy enough to come into this building that's about to get demolished. Detective Yokoyama appears in his fourth straight episode. He's never going to appear in four straight episodes ever again. No, I think we're seeing the sun setting of Detective Yokoyama. This was like the peak of his life. He was loving it. He's getting so much screen time. He's getting lines of dialogue. And now he's going to get back to being a random person in the background that nobody ever cares about. That's right. Like We, Goodbye, actually, re- we actually remember his name for for now. I'm going to miss him. Aw. He tells Megumi that Takagi was spotted in Haido City. However, he wasn't with Sato, but a group of kids. 
So Megari yells at Yokoyama, saying an officer wouldn't be with a group of kids, and tells him to keep searching. I guess he was fired after this, so we never see him again. That's so sad. Why did he, like, why would he fire Yokoyama for Takagi's? Takagi wouldn't be with kids. Come on, he's not that ridiculous. But in actuality, he absolutely is that ridiculous. <laughs> Shiratori then mentions the detective boys and says that they might be the group of kids. And Shiratori believes that Sato got caught by the suspect. We go back to Takagi, who tells the kids that they can go home if they're sleepy, but Ayumi argues with him and says, no way, that's a childish thing for you to say. I love Ayumi calling out Takagi for being childish. Yeah, of all the people to say it to him. High Bear says there isn't much time left and they've got to hurry. It's five minutes before the time limit, so Higashida begins to cry. Oh, this poor guy, crying on the crapper. I've been there, Colleen, what about you? Uh, no. <laughs> that's a thing (laughs) well people of a certain lifestyle i guess yeah i mean sure there there are some tough times on the crapper yes (laughs) it doesn't matter where when you're when you're really constipated just the tears start coming out yeah and you're like why won't the other stuff come out (laughs) some some deep thinking there i mean it's amazing that it took the podcast 88 episodes to get into poop jokes it's kind of impressive sato tries to reassure him but finds it strange that the custodians aren't working yet she doesn't believe they'd have the day off since it's sunday and that's a popular popular day for museums and she can hear customers outside however it pans out and we see the sign that says goodbye Hido art museum and we see this timer counting down to the demolition so uh shit's gonna explode <laughs> We're just going to ride that train. Takagi and the kids are at Kitagawa's house, and he once again says he has nothing to say. He says that when they opened the door, it was chain-locked, and they saw Higashida inside. They woke him up and got him to unlock the door, and then entered to find Muranishi dead. He closes the door, but Takagi says he has a few more questions and jars it open. What do you think about Takagi's interrogation skills? If he was trained that way, then... So be it. I mean, Takagi's kind of like the, he's more of like the doormat type of officer, so seeing him do this is a little out of character. Is that your type, Colleen? A doormat. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, Takagi, out of all the off, like, no, that's not true. Takagi does go through some sort of character development, at least where his assertiveness is concerned. I like my men like my doormats. Easy to throw around. (laughs) Kitagawa asks if he's a suspect, and Takagi says, of course not. However, Genta, the big old boy, says, I suspect you. You're definitely the culprit. (laughs) And then all the kids go off on him, saying that he's guilty. And Takagi's like, come on, kids, you gotta follow routine. Shoo, shoo, shoo. (laughs) I love this part. Kitagawa asks who these brats are, and they introduce themselves as the detective boys. They say, we can solve any crime. And Kitagawa asks how he can be the culprit, and Kenan's ready to answer. I kind of liked how Kitagawa wasn't interested in, like, dealing with Takagi any, but once he had these little snot-nosed kids, he just, he got, like, tempted into a, a fight of words, just wanting to prove them wrong. Yeah, well, he Takagi was trying to you know follow protocol a little bit so i feel like kitagawa again he could sort of just 
run all over Takagi because he was a doormat, but uh, with the kids, like, yelling at him, like, that really got him flustered. Yeah, Gento would make a terrible doormat. Way too big. You're blocking the entire door, kid. <laughs> Jeez. I was half expecting Genta to pull out one of those, like, oh, I'm the leader of the Detective Boys thing, but he never said it. I think he knows this place by now. Kanan asks why he changed the bedsheet and curtains from the beige ones to gray. Kitagawa grabs Takagi and tells him that he wants these weird little freaks to leave or he'll sue them. Takagi says he asked the department store nearby and they confirm that he bought gray futon covers, sheets, and a curtain. Kitagawa says he bought those for himself, but he didn't like them, so he threw them away, as one does. Yeah, obviously. Kudos to the cashier at that department store for remembering. They probably see so many customers in a day. Yeah, but nobody's buying gray futons, that's the thing. They're like, you're not buying beige? (laughs) Beige is what's in season. Beige is the new gray, you know? Right. Takagi then asks about the calendar and the cactus and says Kitagawa removed everything that would tip off Higashida that he's in the wrong room. He then murdered Marinishi and brought Higashida back in a drunken state by telling him that it was his room. Kitagawa asks about the video cord having Higashida's fingerprints on it and that's when Conan calls up the high bearer who apparently snuck in and she was actually behind Kitagawa. What do you think about high ninja skills here? Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah? (laughs) (laughs) Man, imagine if Takagi had done this, how you'd be raving about his amazing abilities. No, that would have been good, yeah. Hibera says that a video cord is missing from Kitagawa's room, and Takagi explains that he had asked Higashida, who's good with electronics, to help him with the cord, and then he used it as a weapon. I love that he asked him to help with the cord. Like, all you do is plug them in. They're (laughs) color-coded. It's just like, like a standard AV cord. Where you put the red one in the red thing, the yellow one in the yellow one, and the white one in the white one. Like, how how could you be so confused? I mean, I get this was the, it was, still, it was late 90s, it wasn't like, these TVs <laughs> This wasn't the beginning of <laughs> video. Yeah, this is just baffling to me. I can't, I can't figure out my VCR, man, can you help me with this? <laughs> just so many colors. Maybe, maybe he said he was colorblind. I was just about to say, maybe. <laughs> I don't even think those colors would be an issue for the colorblind. No. But even then, <laughs> even if you were colorblind, there's so many limited amounts of configurations. <laughs> like, if it doesn't work the other way, just switch them. <laughs> yeah. I guess, like, the white one would be fine, right? It's just maybe the other two, like, particularly the red one, but... Jeez. Takagi says Kitagawa took the day off work the day of the crime and went up to the apartment via the emergency stairs. Use the spare key that she gave him to get inside, moved the furniture around, and waited for her. Kitagawa says there's no concrete evidence and says he never even saw her that day. Conan then points out a bandage on Kitagawa's thumb, and he looks down in shock. What do you think about this thumb injury? Uh, I didn't uh, clue in what it was straight away. Um, Yeah, me neither. So, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Even after... (laughs) It was just weird how they removed the bandage, too, and it had, like, dots on it. I was like, what is that supposed to be? (laughs) Clearly guilty. That's right. Meanwhile, there's music being played outside the museum prior to the demolition. Sate's like, oh, you know what? Listening to music isn't too bad, and she's kind of, like, tapping her foot. She's enjoying the music. It was real cute how she got into it. Yeah. 
the announcer then says there's only 10 minutes left and they're going to say goodbye. And that's when he announces Professor Gasa on stage to give a speech. Gasa says he's created the Tropical Rainbow, which is a bomb that'll send the art museum off with a blast. And that's when Sato and Higashida realize what they're in for and they're like, uh-oh. That's the end of our love story. Do you think they kissed in their final moments? Um, maybe. I mean, Sato has charms. What about Higashida? I don't think he does. Well, he smells. <laughs> maybe he bathed that day. I don't know. He looked a little scruffy. No, he was arrested. He was arrested when he... <laughs> he, he definitely did not bathe. Oh, that's true. He didn't even have time. So he's still, you know, reeking of alcohol, probably. I don't know how long that smell stays on somebody. Back at Kitagawa's place, he tells everybody to leave, and Takagi takes the band-aid off, finds a wound from touching a cactus, and says that the police will prove his crime once they examine it. He tells Kitagawa to tell the truth, and that he's now cornered, as there's no reason for the cactus to have his blood on it if he never saw her that day. And, and that cactus had only come up that day because the the hostess had given it to her, so that was a brand new cactus, so he was really screwed yeah, thank goodness uh, for that hostess's nosiness, or else we would never have found out about this cactus. Exactly. Meguri learns that Takagi just left the crime scene and that he's at Kitagawa's house. Shiratori and him decide to meet him there, and we learn that there's just three minutes left until Agasa starts his detonation. Sate tries to call Takagi, but her cell phone is dead. What was she doing? Like, was she spending the whole time playing Snake on her phone? <laughs> I had a real problem with this scene. I was like, why do you choose now to call him? Like, why didn't you call him earlier to check in on things, see how, like, what progress they're making? She probably... <laughs> she, either that or uh, she's taking too many selfies with her new uh, boy toy. Boy toy. I don't even think there were or selfies back then, 1999. I don't think they had... Like, camera phones with a front-facing camera. She would have done it the other way, then. Yeah, believe that, kids. There weren't even selfies back then. How about that? Yeah, no Instagram. Yeah, if you wanted a self-portrait, you had to get it painted, brother. (laughs) Right, because cameras weren't a thing at all. (laughs) No, they weren't. (laughs) Higashida asks Sato to use her gun to alert people that she's there, but she says that she already used all her bullets. And then he's like, why didn't you leave a bullet left? And she's like, you were running away! And she just screams at him. Her head gets huge. It's a very, very good scene. Yeah. Megri's head also got huge at one point earlier on. So I'm like, are they trying to make this connection between the two of them? Yeah, they're lovely head big people. Right. <laughs> they, they get angry and yell at people. Takagi has Kitagawa in handcuffs and tries to call Sato, but her phone is off. Decides to hurry over, but Meguri and Shiratori arrive. Meguri yells at Takagi, and he informs him that he found the real criminal. Turns out that Kitagawa was being pressured into marriage by Maranishi, so he killed her. I like that they kind of fixed some of the plot holes here. Like, we got the... Well, not really plot holes, but they gave the necessary information. Because you're still left wondering stuff like, how did he have a key to her apartment... What was the motive? And so we got that information here, which was good. This is probably the most shocking part, or the most surprising, at least, part of the episode. I was like, oh, so he was supposed to be the groom. (laughs) Like, that did not even 
a factor in at all for me. I knew that they were co-workers, but didn't go beyond that. He didn't seem like such a catch that you had to blackmail him in the marriage, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, if a woman tried to blackmail me in the marriage, I'd be like, you can do better. <laughs> you know? No. Takagi tells Megari to revoke the charges against Higashida, and he says that Sato is inside the Haido City Art Museum. And Sheratori's like, <laughs> don't jerk around, that's being destroyed. And they're like, uh-oh. Well, if only Yoko Yama was around, I'm sure he'd fix everything. Yep, they needed to bring him on the case. We then see Agasa start his final countdown when the staff are informed that somebody's still inside the building. However, the worker's phone falls on the ground as the crowd rushes towards the stage. I don't even know why that matters. One useless thing after another. Like, you still work there. Why don't you just run? Why are you worried about the phone? Like, who cares? (laughs) He's like, sorry, I didn't hear the rest of it. I can't possibly do anything about it. Megari says there's no time and tells his men to go faster. Conan opens the police door and he powers up his shoes. He then manages to knock out Agasa by kicking the police car siren at him. And boy, poor Agasa. He gets a big old mark on his head, too. Big old <laughs> knot. Yeah, like, poor Agasa. Like, Conan's supposed to be his friend, but... Oh, with friends like Conan... Uh... I wouldn't want enemies. Yeah, I wouldn't want the black organization. Yeah. Sato's then rescued and she greets Takagi in the hallway. They have that classic love scene where they're running towards each other slowly, calling each other's name. It was beautiful. I, I could just like hear chariots of fire playing in the background. He was like, Sato. And she was going, Takagi. And they were staring in each other's eyes. And then she goes, where's the toilet at? I've been holding it in. Yeah. And, yeah. Takagi's, like, around the corner. (laughs) The other male officers note that Sato was crying, and they ask Takagi what he did to her. And he's just completely cornered, and he goes, Sato! Your boy got beat up. Oh, he's fine. (laughs) The kids tell Megari that the marriage form was in the matchbox as they both have a spare key to each other's apartment. And Marinishi was waiting for Kitagawa to smoke at her apartment and get quite the surprise. How romantic. Yeah, I don't think this was a really great couple. <laughs> you don't think the couple blackmailing each other was uh, built the last? Nah, I don't think they're the love story that's uh, being referred to in the title of this episode. Conan says nobody is to blame for arresting the wrong person, but things added up after they decided that Higashida was innocent. At least that's what Takagi told him. <laughs> it, this, this is a cute little cover-up. Because I think even uh, like Shiratori and Megari's uh, reaction to it was like, oh, he speaks so well. We see Higashida's plane take off, and Sato is glad that he got on in time. She says she got scolded big time by Megari for not trusting them. And Takagi then asks her a question. He goes, do you, uh, do you have feelings for Inspector Megari? And she's like, how'd you know? I really like him. And Takagi's all down in the dumps. And she says, she says Megari is just like her father. And her father was also a police officer. Though he died on duty while I was in elementary school, I've never been able to forget how he had the same swagger as Inspector Megari. (laughs) 
Because when I think about swagger, I think of Megary, you know? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what she means by that. She she must be referring to the Brooklyn accent Maguire version. <laughs> yeah. So Takagi's relieved that she thinks about Megary as a father and not a lover. Not a father lover. And <laughs> Yeah, let's, let's hope not. He's just kind of staring at Sate. She notices this, and she asks him if he thinks that she has a father complex. Uh, but he says, uh, I, I gotta leave. I can't let Dad. I mean, uh, Megary waiting. He'll get mad at me. Oh, he's flustered. So we get the ending song. A little free magic. A jam, Colleen. Uh, yep. Yep. I know you like it. Yep. <laughs> it's a great song. So we then learn that the art museum was blown up the next day, and we see the tropical rainbow in action, and it looks like any other demolition, but with pretty colors. It's a great invention, Agasa, amazing. <laughs> Just like rays of different colored light coming from the building. <laughs> and we learn that the class play was changed from common yaiba to a cop story, and we get to see Ginto playing a dead father with a knife <laughs> stuck in him, which is my favorite visual of the episode. Oh, he's like a young Megare with that mustache. Yeah. Ayumi's crying out, and she's playing the daughter, and then Mitsuhiko and Conan have little inspector costumes. They look so cute. Conan looks so bored, though. (laughs) And Conan notes that this is how he'd wind up if Ron ever found out his secret. Yeah. So my favorite visual actually also was in this little scene, but it was with uh, Ron and... Kogoro in the audience so ron oh i didn't even notice him happy yeah he was he was not having it he did not want to be there at all and it was just so funny off to go back and look at that i totally missed that that's funny so the next conan's hint is pink ballpoint pen are we gonna get some like more drawings on walls hopefully it won't be a crayon this time though yeah (laughs) so it won't attract beetles you know Yes, or the beetle won't leave the crayon markings. Conan says the next stage is the Kanjo train line in Yamanote. And then a voice says, what? A lymph node? Yeah. <laughs> Japanese um, magic at its finest. I was just about to say, I don't think that translated as well. Note, node, maybe. But yeah, it, it wasn't the strongest ending joke. All right, Pun. so next... Next time, we're going to talk about episode 158, the silent loop line, and we're going to discuss our favorite one-off characters, like Suzu, the queen. Oh, okay. So that'll be So we fun. can only pick one? Our favorites. Okay, well, Multiple. I already know who you're going to pick. Yeah, Suzu. Because you just we're, said we're it. We're going to talk about, <laughs> about some of our favorite characters that haven't become a mainstay, characters we wish would, like the uh, Inspector Gadget guy, he was cool. Okay, okay. Uh, but before we end the podcast, let's talk about the love story, too. Colleen, did you think this lived up to the first one? Did you like it more than the first one? I don't know if I liked it more. Like, I know there are others that are coming that I liked more than both of these combined, but I still think that this was... A, like, I I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was good. Uh, the Metropolitan Police Detective Love Stories are always top quality episodes, um, in my opinion. Uh, the formatting of it was interesting. Like, we get to be viewers of the 
after investigation and we don't really follow the victim at the beginning at all so i kind of appreciated that aspect of it um i feel like we're seeing an increase in cases where it's takagi taking the lead and working alongside conan or the detective boys as a whole so it's really nice seeing those characters uh, interact more together how they threw agasa in to this episode was pretty creative he's uh usually just there to either be like the babysitter or give conan some sort of like help but he actually we actually see him you know doing his job for once and like see okay this is how agasa perhaps makes a living in this town so it was nice to see him do that i felt like there was a lot going on that could keep one interested whether it was you know the love story or it was the actual case i know you weren't too hot on it and we get that uh, first glimpse of what will be like the running gag with uh, sato and how she's admired by all the police force basically so i think there was also a good level of comedy in the two-parter if i had to critique it though i would have probably preferred if they had done a one-hour special instead of a two-parter with where it cut off Uh, like the end of part one, it felt a little odd to me. Like it was a cliffhanger, but it was almost like not enough. It it just felt weird. It was like, and now we're going to go to the other side of the room and figure this out. It wasn't like the action impact wasn't there for me. I fully agree. And and instead of a cliffhanger, they just recap the same four minutes. Uh, you, they go right back to the cliffhanger when the episode begins. Like you experience the cliffhanger again, and then you don't even go to the uh, the other guy's room. <laughs> they don't even show it. Any. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So I feel like all the momentum that they were building up in that first part was totally wasted because of the second part. The pacing of it was odd. I felt like they jam packed most of the resolution in like the first part of the second episode and then the rest of it was kind of fluff to me i don't know the pacing was just weird in the second episode but yeah as a whole i enjoyed watching it yeah i i I liked the episode i wasn't big on the mystery itself and i felt i felt like it was kind of secondary to everything else but i really love the sato and takagi moments they're such a cute couple even though takagi's worthless but, you know, the scenes with her getting, you know, like, handcuffed to the guy and then her just having to use the bathroom was real funny. So, I enjoyed that. I, I, there's a lot of good humor here in this episode. I liked all the stuff at the play. The the scene at the beginning with Hybera confessing her love to Conan was uh, exciting until you find out it's common yeah, But a lot of good humor here. I like how the detective boys were implemented. And they did have a part in the case rather than just... You know, being in the background while Conan does everything. Because, you know, they did help with the confrontation at the end. Even though they didn't do much up until that point. But, you know, they, they kind of took the criminal off guard. Because, you know, he had a plan for dealing with the police. But he wasn't thinking about dealing with all these little brats, you know. So I thought that was really well done. So I liked the episode. I'm not sure I liked it more than the first one. I don't. I think this is probably one of the weaker police love stories i feel like they just get stronger as it goes along because like you were saying there are a lot of really good ones and we'll get to a lot of good ones uh although the the whole part with sato being you know trapped with a suspect that's pretty memorable in in and of itself 
So I like that. So I thought it was a solid episode. I do agree with you completely when you said it would have been better as a one hour special because there's a lot of weird just pacing issues and a whole lot of fluff. And I feel like it would have been better if they had just done it as an hour special. We also want to give thanks to the Patreon supporters, medium-sized Jeffrey, Ryan Self, Big Chief Mason, Spencer Young, William Lee. Thank you for keeping the show running. That'll do it for this episode. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, We've been getting a lot of love around the globe lately, which is great. We also have a giveaway on Twitter uh, if you want to... (laughs) We're giving away the first, or the latest, Detective Conan Blu-ray. Well, case closed Blu-ray, actually. It's the uh, Crimson Love Letter. Yeah, so there's a new dub. uh, Discotech's putting it out. So it's the Crimson Love Letter Blu-ray. You have until December 29th. It's easy to enter. You just have to retweet our post and follow us. And then we'll contact the winner on the 29th. Well, probably on the 30th. We'll give everybody the whole day to go through on the 29th. Uh, All times are Eastern. So, uh, yeah. Retweet it. Enter. Currently, your chances to win are pretty high. Because barely anybody has retweeted it. So, get that Blu-ray, folks. Yeah. Good luck. Hopefully, the movie's good. I haven't seen it, obviously. It's a good movie. Uh, It's uh, Haiji-focused. Kazu is there. Haiji's love, uh, Kazuha's love rivals there. Somebody else is trying to get with Hattori. Very excited. You're kidding. I didn't, I don't even know this person. Oh my goodness. Okay. Yeah, you'll meet her. I'm pumped to watch this in five years. (laughs) It's good. It's good. Hibera's on the cover. She's wearing a little kimono thing. Yeah, the covers, the covers are really pretty. Um, it, it kind of has like this, drama feel to it so i don't know how much drama there is but there's definitely oh like, come on Colleen, it's on. conan there's always a lot of drama <laughs> high school romance let me tell you so uh yeah enter that we appreciate it thank you for all the support uh happy uh, you know what christmas just is occurring soon so happy christmas happy holidays new year's coming up so uh enter 2021 the right way by uh supporting us on patreon (laughs) (laughs) make it your new year's resolution yeah but we appreciate everything this year has been uh very up and down but uh, we got through it so we appreciate that and uh we'll see you in 2021 bye bye and remember one truth always prevails